right, lead heads, welcome back to Talking Lead, and we made it to episode 120. I'd like to give a big special thanks to Hank Strange for the past three shows, uh, helping me out with the show. He did an excellent job, and you guys seem to enjoy Hank, so we'll definitely have Hank back on again sometime soon. And our special guest last week was our super lead head, Chuck Sanford. Really appreciate him taking the time and being on and everything that he does to push and promote the show. Chuck, appreciate it, buddy. And uh, maybe in the future, we'll have another lucky lead head on uh, to guest host on the show. I think that's probably a very good possibility. This week, I've got a special guest. When do I not have a special guest? Everybody's special who's on the show. I've got, and you guys have heard me talk about this uh, on the show a little bit, where I've uh, taken part in some fugitive recovery missions. So I have decided to go ahead, or actually he he decided that uh, he, it's time for him to be on the show. He likes to keep everything secret squirrel. I've got my good buddy Mark with Wanted Tennessee Bounty LLC, Fugitive Recovery Services. Mark, how's it going, bud? Going good, buddy. How you doing? Doing undava, very undava, except for all this snot and crap that's still in my head. I'm on the uh, the tail end of a head cold, and all the nasty yellow loogies are, are breaking loose. So that's a good sign, I guess. It's all getting out of my system. That's a good sign, yep. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, Mark, uh, we're going to get into the fugitive recovery business here in a little bit. But uh, we always like to do this little thing uh, at the beginning of the show and talk about what we did related to firearms for our week. So what I have been doing on, and I, you guys have heard me talk about this, is I got a couple of guns, a couple of new AR builds that I'm working on. I'm building one for Pepper and I'm building a, another AR pistol. I'm building Pepper a full-size 16-inch uh, AR, and then I'm building another AR pistol. It's a five five six for both of us, I guess. But I just got into the hydro dipping, uh, doing the camo. Uh, first time really getting my hands on with that, and uh, it's really easy. It was, I thought it was going to be a lot harder, uh, but Mark saw the job I did, and I uh, got a thumbs up from you, right? Yep, that's right. Looks pretty good. So I'll I'll post some pictures of that here this week, so you guys can kind of see the project. Uh, and then once I get started on hers, I'll uh, I'll post pictures of that too. So that's really really all I've been working on is getting the last few parts in that I needed for those, and uh, just got to get her to decide on a freaking camo uh, <laughs> for that or design whatever she wants a pattern for her for her uh, for her AR. Uh, I don't know which direction she's going to go. I know she's not going to go pink because she doesn't like pink or girly or anything like that, but. Uh, I don't know, it may end up with Mickey Mouse on it. I don't know. <laughs> Mark, what'd you do related to guns this week? Uh, well, I carried my guns with me. Now you just got a you just acquired a new gun. I sure did. Yes. Let's let's talk about your new uh, Sig Sauer that you got. I just got me a new uh, Sig uh, two two seven. You know, I'm a forty five guy all the way. And you like to do things big. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Mark's a big guy too. What are you about? Are you six feet? About six, six foot. Yeah, six foot. Probably. Uh, you know, and this isn't insulting because he's all mass. I mean, you're a good two fifty, right? Uh, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Thanks. I'm about 235. Two, so you dropped some weight. Okay. Yep. So you're slimming down. Yep. Yep. But it's it's solid. You know, he's he's a big, massive dude. He he goes to the gym that's called the Barbarian Gym and works out. In fact, it does, <laughs> does anything. Uh, that's right. Yes, I do. Yeah. I'm, so the only, you, I'm the only one allowed in there. You're only one. Yeah, I haven't even been invited to go to the the Barbarian Gym. Uh, back to the the Sig two two seven. We actually took it out the other day uh, when I was shooting the Keltec video. Uh, Mark was there with me, and uh, his his lovely wife uh, was there with Pepper and I, and we got to to break it in a little bit, so to speak. Walk us through your experience. You know, your first shots with the two two seven. Uh, I was, um, of course, it's a Sig, so you know the ergonomics of the gun are uh, fantastic, um, and the, its performance on the range was exceptional. Uh, I still have to learn the gun a little bit. Uh, I'm used to shooting my uh, 1911, uh, which I'm still pretty good with, but the uh, Sig, I'm getting used to it. But it's one of the finest shooting guns I've ever shot. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice trigger on it, doesn't it? It does. There's nothing bad about the gun at all. So that that kind of plays plays into our uh, fact the fight the myth that we had last week was um, you said it's got good ergonomics, uh, and our fact the fight the myth last week was people were saying that you know different guns had different ergonomics and they'll you know they'll throw your aim off. Well, th- you know the fact is the sights are set up for those ergonomics, and as long as you put the front post sight with the back post sight, you're going to be on target. That's right. you know, after you know, with a couple of adjustments here and there, but most guns are pretty much you know very close to being accurate right out of the box. So there's very should be very little adjustments that you have to do. Um, but you were shooting it, you were shooting it really good. Um, you're putting the the bullets on target, no problem. What um, what was your biggest difference that you noticed between the 1911 and the the P227? Larger sights. The SIG has got the larger sights. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, I'm not going to say nothing bad about my SIG at all. But the, um, the, the 1911 had just some simple iron sights that sat real low. And uh, I was just more accustomed to that, kind of out of the way, and I was able to put it where I wanted it. Yeah. So just the, the mechanics of lining the sights up out of the holster, uh, you, you know, you're expecting that 1911 um, point of view, but you're getting that that SIG point of view now. So it's a little different point of view, but as long as you're lighting the, lining the sights up, boom, you're going to be on target. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The SIG is, uh, the SIG is, it's, it's uh, sighted correctly right out of the box. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we were finding out with that Caltech too. It took it out of the box and you shot it also. That's, one of, the, <laughs> that's one of the most accurate rifles I've ever shot. Wasn't it amazing? It I was mean, amazing. Every one of us were just putting bullet hole and bullet hole and bullet hole, you know, just one after the other. So it was it was amazing. So I'm looking forward to putting uh, some more rounds through that. Like uh, I said last show, I'm going to be shooting some different ammo through it, just testing different loads and things like that um, with the 9 mil. Not going to do any modifications to it at this point. I just don't really see anything that needs to be done to it. Um, what do you think with your SIG? Are you going to do any kind of mods to it? I looked at doing some tr- uh, some true glow sights, but mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stick with what I got. Are yours glow on the dark sights? They are glow in the dark, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the way my 226 is also. Yep. Uh, and that, that seems to be 
plenty for me. Uh, I don't really find myself shooting at night that much anyway, but that's what flashlights are for. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Now you uh, you're in the process of finding you some accessories for it, a holster, and what what kind of holster are you going with for it? Uh, I have my, all my my accessories are all Phobus. Phobus. Uh, Phobus. Yes. Did you say Phobus? Phobus. Bofus? <laughs> well, you know they're made in Israel, so I guess you can say what you want. But uh, there's a there's a joke in there somewhere. I, it's a dirty joke. I can't say it on air. So. Yeah, you have to you have to refine it a little bit. I think. Yeah, I'll tell you off air. <laughs> but uh, I've got my I've got a, a shoulder rig that's all Phobus. I've got uh, drop leg holsters. It's a rigid it's a rigid frame drop leg uh, hinged rigid frame. Uh, it's pretty awesome. But everything I have is all Phobus. Yes. Okay. Now you're going to consider letting me hydro dip your SIG? No. <laughs> putting some kind of cool camo? What are you talking about? No. <laughs> we need to put a Punisher camo on yours. <laughs> you know, we could talk about that. That would look awesome. That might be an option. Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> you were talking about your 1911. You've got some history with that 1911 that uh, we've talked about. It's actually. Uh, seen some more time, hadn't it? Is that yeah. something you want to talk about? We certainly can. Okay, let's let's talk about the history of your your nineteen eleven. It's a pretty cool story. Okay, it's um, it's a World War Two. It's a nineteen thirty nine Remington Rand World War Two. Uh, it was carried by my grandfather uh, in the South Pacific. Uh, he was a flamethrower, so he had uh, um, he he carried two nineteen elevens. And uh, one was a Colt and one was a Remington Rand. And uh, between the flamethrower and the pistols, he has uh, 32 confirmed kills. Good so Lord. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know if it's the guns or not. But uh, You don't know the, the scale of how many he's got the, the kills? No, but the one, I have is, the one I have is chromed. Well, he had it chromed originally. When I got it, I had it Cerakoted, but... Uh, it was chromed, and I always wondered. And there are people that are cringing right now when, as you're saying. <laughs> you're like, well, what are you thinking? Why did you Cerakote the World well, War II 1911? Well, he'd already chrom- he had it chromed, and the chrome, it was a bad chrome job. So yeah. uh, we kind of always suspected that might have been his favorite gun, maybe. Yeah. He did some stuff to it, some modifications to it, but we don't know. So 32 confirmed kills. That's right. From, from World War II. Yep. And he was a flamethrower. You got to be a beast to be a flamethrower. I would. Yeah, I think uh, my dad told me. I don't remember what it is, but he said the the life expectancy of a flamethrower in World War II was very short. I can imagine. Good lord. Now, I don't know. In today's military, do they don't do they still have flamethrowers? I don't believe so. That was just mainly used for jungle clearing and uh, and clearing out the bunkers and stuff. Yes. Bunker clearing. Yes. That's yeah. Correct. I, I don't know if that's an actual job in the military. I'll have to check. What we'll our leadheads? Our leadheads will know. Let us know if there's actually a, a flamethrower um, position in the military nowadays, where they actually strap it on their back and they're you know, carrying. I just can't imagine that they would do that anymore. I think they would have like the vehicles and stuff that would take take care of that nowadays. Yeah, I probably agree with you. I don't know. Well, he, he also acquired a Japanese officer's sword in that campaign, which uh, went to my father. Really? Yep. Very cool. And your father still has that? Yep. Neat. I'd like to see pictures of that, man. I would too. Well, I hope I'll get it soon. Well, I'm sure you will. See if he'll send you, send you some pictures. 
that'd be a cool thing to check out. Well, very cool. This is going to be a kind of a short, abbreviated uh, show as far as our interview with Mark goes today. Um, I've got I've, I found some lost footage from Shot Show, and I really need to to get these guys out there because uh, it's Mesa Tactical, and these girls were awesome at Shot Show. They had a lot of good information about their company. And I want to make sure that we share that with all the leadheads out there. So I'll be splicing that in uh, at the end of, of Mark and I's interview here. But to continue with Mark, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about the fugitive recovery business. So yeah, so I've had the the opportunity to accompany Mark on a few of his uh, fugitive recovery missions, um, just spectating. <clears throat> but uh, tell us about the fugitive recovery business um how did you get involved with it i got involved with it uh because i opened uh i I wanted to do something for my daughter she didn't want to go to college and so i opened up a bail bonds business for her to run and she subsequently lost interest in it (laughs) (laughs) being uh being that uh, all business regardless of what it is, is is nothing but risk management I knew uh, I evaluated the risk of the bail bond business and um, I put some systems in place to minimize my risk, mm-hmm. which of course is uh, bail jumpers. Yeah. So that's, that's really your only risk, right? Is people yes, really. just bail skip, skipping on their bail. Yeah. That's right. And so um, I built some systems and put some stuff in place that uh, ended up being better than most. And um, we went from being a bail bond company to strictly a fugitive recovery business. Yeah. So all these other bail bonds were seeing the uh, success of your recovery rate, and they were calling on you to to help them out on their their skips. That's right. As far away as Arizona and Colorado. Yeah. Well, also up in was Connecticut. It Connecticut? Connecticut. Yeah. Connecticut. I went with you on one. You picked up in the east eastern tip of Tennessee. <laughs> that's right that was that was a miserable dude i hated because we had to wait on the guys to come from connecticut to pick this guy because we weren't going to cross the uh the uh, state border yeah we're going to be careful about crossing state lines yeah and it's different states have different laws just like like everything uh and in regards to to bounty hunting fugitive recovery it's the same so you got to know the laws and rules and regulations for each state, each country. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about uh, going after a couple of big ones out of country. That's right. We're evaluating that one that uh, fled to France. That's yeah, right. he's he's on the FBI's top ten list too. That dude is. But um, so you you say you've got systems, um, and I know you don't want to give any of your secrets away but can you just kind of talk broadly about the process it's like okay so you get a file on one of the skips what's the process what do you do how do you how do you go about tracking these people down well like you said we get a file uh basically it's basically it's a it's an application is all it is a one-page application and uh we begin to build a case file on that individual and their associates because a lot of times uh it's when the principal becomes hard to find, you can always find his associates. Principal being the skipper. The defendant, the bail skipper, yes, bail jumper. Um, the convict. Not, well, in this case, sometimes he's not a convict yet. 
Okay. All right. They're just, they're fugitives. They're fugitives from the law. And, and what it, let's, let's back up a little bit. So what causes somebody to, to have a bounty hunter come after them? Talk about that. What that at some point they've been, they've been arrested on some charges. Uh, it could be anything from domestic assault to homicide. And, uh, they are uh, put in jail and then the judge or magistrate appoints a bond for them. A bail bondsman comes on the scene and, uh, he becomes the surety for that defendant. Then the defendant, uh, is in, you know, he's still under the, the dominion of the surety, but he is in released back into the public until his court date. And at that point, de- he's determined whether he's guilty or innocent. And at that point, he would be, he would be considered a convict, so I would say because they have a conviction. But at this point, he is innocent until proven guilty, and Mm -hmm. uh, him and the victim are guaranteed a day in court. Now, it's when he misses that day in court uh, that at that point, the surety or the bondsman becomes liable for him and and has to either pay the full bond amount or surrender the defendant. And at that point, if the the bail bondsman cannot find the uh, defendant, they will hire somebody like me uh, that really knows how to find somebody and we go get them. And you've got a hundred percent capture rate right now. So far, so far, so far, so good. All right. So what happens is basically these guys missed their court date. The bondsmen uh, are on the line for the money for the full bond, whether it's $2,000 or $2 million. That's right. Um, and what people typically it's ten percent is what they have to do to get to get bonded out of jail. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, ten percent. So the um, the guilty person, the fugitive, what are we calling them before they're fugitives? Defendant. The defendant. Okay, the defendant has to come up with the ten percent to get out of jail, or they have to have somebody co-sign for them. That's right. And typically, right. If, it's high enough, if it's a high enough bond, uh, you get a you get a co-signer anyway. Because you, you want someone within their sphere of influence who is responsible for that person in case they don't show back up. Right. You so have someone you can contact or lean on to get the information and the location you need. Or your money. Or your money. The, the cosigner is liable for that money also. So if the bondsman is out the, um, the full amount of the bond, then they're going to go after that cosigner. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Then the cosigner becomes liable for the full bond. Right. And so the, it, it behooves the cosigner to, if this person jumps or skips or goes you know, in hiding to help you assist you find this person because they're going to be financially responsible at that point. That is correct. And the uh, courts typically uphold the bond agreement uh, almost unilaterally. So if it has to go to court, somebody's going to be paying the bondsman back. And the okay. court, court typically upholds that bail contract, and so that co-principal will be paying the bondsman back. So once the bond company brings you in, what's, uh, what's your first step? Once you get that file, what's your first step? Yeah, okay. We, build, we start building a case file based on that person and their, uh, their associates, their accomplices, and their habits and their hangouts and such as that. Obviously, I mean, probably the first step you're going to do is you're going to call, or I would think at this point, probably the bonds company has called the cosigner yes, before, they, before they get you involved because they're going to have to pay you. So I would think before they have to dish out any more money, 
they've probably exhausted all their resources at this point. They've probably called the um, co-signer. They've called family members to try to find locate this person, but still to no avail. So then they then they contacted you. That and, is correct. Yes, that is correct. Then they contact us yeah. when a, when a when a when a bond forfeits the. Uh, defendant and the bondsman are both notified by the court that they have 60 days to either produce or surrender the defendant or pay the full bond amount. Okay. Now remember they only got paid 10% of that bond amount, but at that point, then the bondsman has to pay that full bond amount. So instead of the $1,000 that would be 10% of 10,000, then the bondsman is responsible for 10,000. Does that make sense? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it makes sense that I wouldn't want to get in the bonds business because <laughs> first off, you're dealing with criminal element. You know, people who aren't honest, uh, don't keep their word, uh, that are shady to begin with. Nice. And then you, you're trusting them to show up on a court date. I would put a freaking chip in their ass or something so, I'd be, so I could find them if I was going to do a bond for one of them. Well, it's a high risk business, but it also it's also a high, it's a high profit business. No risk, no reward, right? That's exactly right. The higher the risk, the higher the reward. Uh, But as long as the bondsmen know us, (laughs) so far, with 100% uh, capture rate, they're in the clear. Yeah, well, they're in the clear, but they still got to (laughs) pay. They still got to pay. But they don't have to pay as much. Uh, That's right. right. And then then they go and they get that money back from that person, I'm sure, somehow. Yes, they can then pursue legal. They try to. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, so you've got the file. You're building your file case. Uh, I'm sure you're probably not assuming that the bonds person has done their job. So you're following up with all the same leads that are on the file there and then building new leads and following those up. That is correct, yes. We, we, co- we basically cover a little ground that we hope that the bondsman, or we would assume the bondsman has already covered, but we, uh, we covered anyway just in case uh, they missed something. Yeah. So, so you've gone through your, your due diligence and you get a, you get a pretty good feeling, you know, where, where this person's at. What do you do then? Once we think we have, um, we have established the location of the defendant, uh, then we go into a surveillance mode and we establish on a more certain level if that defendant is at that supposed location. Yeah. Through plain old surveillance, nothing exciting. Yeah. Now, prior to this, aren't there some documents that you've got to get prepared and and ready? That is correct. A, a bounty hunter, actually, um, a bounty hunter doesn't exist so-called in state law. He's an extension of the professional bondsman. So I, I am, in essence, his agent, and my powers come from from him. Uh, in doing so, I have to have certain paperwork on my person when I go to make this arrest. Mm-hmm. And what's an example of some of that paperwork? One of them is a capious, uh, a capious warrant, which is a, a take by force warrant. Uh, it's got to be certified by the court. And uh, that's one of the piece of papers we have to have. We now also that's a powerful piece of paper right there. And that's key to being able to. Like you said, just you just said take by force. That is correct. So, yeah. And we'll we'll get into more of that here in just a second. So go ahead with the rest of the paperwork. 
the second piece of paper you need to have, and not necessarily in this order, if you read TCA, is a certified copy of the undertaking, which is a certified copy of the bond, where they actually bonded the, the bondsman, bonded the defendant out of jail. We have to have a certified copy of that as well. What we also have on us is also a certified copy of an authority to arrest uh, by the bondsman, where they sign it specific to the defendant, where they are in, in essence giving us the, their authority to apprehend this individual. All this authority right. comes from the bail bondsman. Yeah. So now you're, you're surveilling and you feel confident that the place you're casing out, the fugitive is there. What's your next step? Next step is to go and get them. And at that point, um, regardless of whether it's the defendant's residence or someone else's residence, uh, we can, according to state law, we can forcefully uh, apprehend. Forcefully means you could kick a door in, right? Yes, it does. And that's the reason a lot of uh, some bounty hunters are getting some negative publicity uh, on this, but they're not, you can enter by force and not get in trouble for it. Yeah. So now you, you kind of do another little CYA procedure most of the time from, from what I gather. And you make a call to somebody. We're actually required to do it, but most bounty hunters don't do it. Uh, we're required to notify the authority of the jurisdiction, which is the police department. Mm -hmm. So we're conducting a fugitive recovery mission. We're actually required to do that by law, but a lot of guys don't do it. But if you will do it, if you will follow the proper protocols, uh, it is, it's a great way to cover your butt. Well, that just, and that's something that you want to do. I would think just common sense, because if you're out walking around and you know, you've got a team and there's people walking around this house and they're all armed and the neighbors see this, they're going to be calling the cops. That's the you first know, the thing cop, call the police. Yes. Yeah, and the cops are going to be, oh, you know, and, you know, you don't want to cause a stir. So you call the, the police, let them know the address that you're at. That way they know when they get calls, they can calm the people down and say, you know, it's a legitimate thing. Chill out. Now, there's another thing that you can do also involving the police that's kind of a, a CYA kind of thing too, right? You can actually call a, what they called, um, zone officer. Zone officer, yes, that's right. Yeah, so that's you can call a... Go ahead. Dispatch is supposed to notify the zone officer that uh, we are conducting an operation in his zone. He's supposed to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. And, and then uh, you, you could request that he come out and yes. just just be there in case it gets out of hand or something. That is correct. And uh, that's that's actually we used to ask him to send a zone officer. We don't do that anymore. But uh, we, we by, according to TCA 4011-134, they are required to assist us if we call. Sometimes when it comes to breaching a house, it is nice to have the, the police already there. Yeah. Because um, when you do force yourself into someone's home, it's, it is a precarious situation. And with the police there, it kind of adds some legitimacy to what we're doing. Yeah. Well, it also, uh, you know, as long as you're above board and you're doing things the proper way, it adds another level of security for you so they can't, you know, they're a witness. The police officer's there. Uh, I guess it could work for you or against you. I don't know. But, again, as long as you're doing things the proper way, 
you know, if it's a female or it's a dude either way, and they just, you know, they say he beat me or he did this or he did that, you've got an actual police officer there that could bear witness to maybe help if you got sued or something, I guess. I don't know. That is correct, yes. You've been there. There's also something a lot of people don't realize is how much authority we do have. You have been there yourself on a couple. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just witnessing. Just witnessing. Uh, a couple as, as media. As media. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, and you, you, you yourself have heard the police officers tell the defendant or the, the, the occupants of the home that, uh, that the agent here, the bonding agent or the bounty hunter, has more authority to enter and take than he does. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a correct interpretation. And a lot of people don't realize that. Now they won't assist or do anything like that, but they will be there just, you know, as kind of backup or if you know, things get out of hand, uh, but they're not actually assisting in the apprehension of the fugitives. That is correct. Just so, yeah. So people are clear about that. Um, but it is a nice CYA kind of thing. I like to call, I like to use the word legitimize, it legitimizes the occupation. So it's like, well, <laughs> it, and, and I've noticed that too, is on, on a couple of them that we've been on, these people would not cooperate whatsoever. And even though you had, you had the right to forcibly go in and take these people, um, you cooler heads prevailed and you waited for the zone officer to show up. And once the zone officer got there, then the people, you know, saw that this was really legitimate. You, you are, I mean, you can show them your ID and everything. They still don't believe, you know, who you are or what you're there for, which is understandable. So yeah, it does add a um, an element of legitimacy to what you're doing, and a lot of times it'll uh, help get the people to go ahead and surrender themselves to you in a peaceful manner. So that there's there's not any forcefulness that has to occur. That's right. We we want we want as very little incident to, to occur as possible. Yeah, we just want to apprehend and get out and get out. So that brings us to our uh, a fact to fight the myth segment for this week. SBI is proud to present the Talking Lead Fact to Fight the Myth. Mark, tell us what our fact to fight the myth is. The myth is that uh, most uh, defendants um, are fugitives. We're going to call them fugitives on this show, baby. All right. No, just keep keep going with that. No, you don't have to restate it. (laughs) The myth is that the fugitive or the defendant is um is un- is unruly and they want to fight us and um it's an altogether just a destructive uh, ordeal. Yeah, he's, he's, there's a drawdown. You got a you know shootout. Uh, that every, everybody's resisting the uh, the apprehension. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's the myth. Yeah. yeah. So there's violence that takes place, and you know there's fights. There's gun gunfights, knife fights. That's the myth. When in actuality, in actuality, most people just throw their hands up and say, "I'm, I'm actually glad you got me. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of looking over my shoulder. I'm ready to get this done. I want to deal with it. Face it." Yeah. And most of them are pretty, pretty, pretty decent, pretty decent people. Yeah. So, and the ones that I've uh, witnessed, that's the that's what every one of them have done. Is is once you've got them, there's none except for one. There was one guy that tried to run, but. Uh, he got dealt with, <laughs> but most of them are just like, you're like, Hey, you call their name out. Cause you're catching them off guard. A lot of the times too, they'll be like, 
you'll get them as they're coming out of work or you'll get them as they're coming out of a, a convenience store or their favorite bar or whatever. And they're just, they're shocked and surprised and you catch them off guard and they're not really ready to fight or want to fight, you know, anyway. And they're just like, you know, I'm, I'm done running. I'm done hiding. Uh, of course they're saying that cause they're caught now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they just, they put their hands up, you know, there's, there's no resistance. There's no, and then you get to hear their whole life story on the way back to the jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hear, hear what, how, you know, how life has dealt them a hand and, uh, you know, they're just victims of all this and blah, blah, blah. And you, well, you've heard us when we've talked, we've talked to some of these people, we talked to them back, you know, uh, Hey, you're here because of your choices. You had yeah. your option to go to court, show up to court, and um, mm-hmm. well, yeah. on, on this most recent one that that you did, uh, you gave this individual numerous opportunities to peacefully surrender without incident, without having to, you know, embarrass her or cause a scene, because uh, she didn't think she didn't think we we knew where she was, and she was just kind of like you know daring us to come get her, you know, and we're like, look, you know we know where you're at. We'll come get you, but we're giving you an opportunity to get your affairs in order, you know, make arrangements for your car, make arrangements for this. You know, we'll come get you at such and such time at such and such place. And she just, she wouldn't do it. You're like, Hey, you know, I don't want to cause a scene at your work. I don't want you to have to lose your job, you know, anything like that. But it turned out that you had to go and you had to get her at her place of work. When she came out on break, she she didn't go back to work. She never came back. <laughs> she, yeah. So they were expecting her back, uh, you know, on, on shift there, and uh, she never showed up. Yep, that's right. Yep. Her, okay. her next gave, stop was the Popo. <laughs> right. We gave, we gave her plenty of opportunities. Yeah. And something we also do is we also try to treat these people with a little bit of respect, you know. Uh, yeah, and that's just like, yeah, I mean, and that's the key. There's no – you don't have to be a douchebag about it. I've seen that – the calmer you are with them, the calmer they are. That's right. You know, they, they start off all hot headed, you know, and they think that you're, you know, you're going to be a, you know, a, a douchebag, but you know, you're just, you talk to them calm, you explain the situation to them and that kind of calms them and it makes things go a lot smoother. That's right. SDI's 32 semester credit hour certificate program in gunsmithing and 60 credit hour associate of science and firearms technology degree program can work hand in hand and are the most complete training programs of their kind. SDI strives to give you the best quantity and quality of professional gunsmithing information and tools. These programs are perfect for students interested in careers in the firearms industry or for those who are interested in owning their own gunsmithing business. Our programs are delivered via distance learning, which allows our students to maintain full-time jobs, families, military service, and more while working towards their degree or certificate. The Sonoran Desert Institute mission is adding value to our students' lives by providing innovative, relevant, and applicable workplace-driven education through distance-delivered instructions. Visit them at sdi.edu. So now you've apprehended the fugitive. What's next? Surrendering the fugitive to the professional bondsman. Talk about the process of the apprehension. All right. What goes into the apprehension? What all do you do once you apprehend one? Once you got them in the car? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you got to read them the rights? Do you got to, you got to, you know, can you cuff them? Can you? You can cuff them, uh, throw, uh, put them in the car. 
I show them a copy, uh, a certified copy of the bond or the undertaking and to legitimize their arrest. And of course they recognize it, put them in the front seat and we carry them to, well, to the bondsman. We surrender them to the bondsman. Yeah. So we've been high, we're agents of the bondsman. We're surrendering them to the bondsman. Yeah. Now, do you do a, do you do a pat down? Do you search them? Do you sit checking them for weapons and drugs and you know, that, all that kind of stuff? Uh, we, it depends on the circumstance, depends on the situation. We, a lot of the cases we're dealing with are just biggest charge they have against them is the failure to appear. And when they see us, there's, there's no, some people might say there's always a threat and there is, uh, but after you've done it a little while, you've kind of got an idea of what you're dealing with when you encounter the person. So, mm-hmm. uh, we'll do a brisk pat down, but we don't quite do it as extensive as a police. Just depends on the circumstances. Yeah. Um, I don't want to stick my hands in the pockets of a hoodie or something where there may be a syringe or something such as that. Yeah. So, so you just, you just kind of question them. You say, look, I'm getting ready to take you to jail. Do you have anything that you shouldn't have on your person? If you do, you need to get rid of it right now. Cause I'm not here to bring charges of, you know, drug charges or weapon charges against you. I'm just here to take you in to answer for your failure to appear. Yeah. You know, here's your opportunity to not make it worse on yourself. So, yeah, I can understand. I mean, there's no way I would pat any of these people down because you never know what they might have in their pocket or, in, like you said, in their jacket or hoodie or anything like that. So it's like you just apprehend them, and then if if they're not smart enough to get rid of the stuff when you give them the opportunity and they got that crap on them when they get to the jail, then that's another charge they're going to have on them. That's right. That's exactly right. And you and uh, you've seen our you've seen our apprehensions. Uh, most of the time, most of the time they're scared to death. They're not going to pull nothing anyway. Mm-mm. No, there's that one dude who was just telling you everything he had. He goes, "I got, I got this. I got a knife. I got." He's like, "All right, get it out of your pockets. I'm not touching it." You know, that's right. Yeah, but but you're armed. You know, you're armed there, and you know you're going to protect yourself. You're wearing armor. Uh, you know, you've got all the protective stuff on. And you're still making sure that they're not going to be pulling something on you. It's like, you know, you give them the opportunity to clear themselves on their own. Uh, but otherwise, you're going to lock those hands up and keep them where they're not going to be able to get to their crap afterwards. That's correct. So now you've got them. You've taken them to the bonds person. You just hand them over to them and go on to the next one. Is that it? Or is there another another step involved? That's pretty much it. Uh, the payment step, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's always nice, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty much it. You uh, surrender them to the professional bondsman, and you're done. Yeah. Hopefully, they hand another case to you. Yep. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, you guys that. have been so busy. Uh, <laughs> we're we're having to take a little break to take care of other business. Yeah. So what I'm finding that I enjoy um, about the whole process is the actual finding the people that, you know, the challenge of them playing the hide and seek with you. It's just like this last one, you know, she was basically just like daring, daring you to find her. She's like, there's no way you can find me. Yeah. She was, she was, she was a ghost too, pretty much. She, um, yeah, she was a foreigner. She was, uh, with people within this, this community, this sub community were hiding her. She was sleeping mm-hmm. on couches and bouncing from apartment to apartment. She had no residence, and she thought she wasn't going to be found. And the people that you confronted, like you said, it's a tight community. They were sitting there lying to her face. 
like, I don't know. I hadn't seen her. She went to Minnesota. She went to here. She went, I ain't seen her in two weeks. Her old boyfriend <laughs> sit there. He's like, nah, I broke up with her two weeks ago. You know, I, I ain't seen her in, in two weeks. And we're like, look, man, we're going to find her. We've got a good idea where she's at. Just tell us where she's at. It's going to go peaceful. She can get in. She can get out. She can go back to work. But the funny thing was we showed up at her work and not three minutes after we got there, they were pulling in to warn her. (laughs) We were just sitting there laughing at him, pointing at him like you, we knew you were lying. You lying sack of (laughs) (laughs) that was, that's the, that's the most rewarding thing right there is. It's the chase, I guess. It's finding somebody who thinks they can't be found. Yes. Uh, and then just rubbing it in their face. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recommend you mocking. If you got bounty hunters looking for you, I don't recommend you mock them. It's not going to go well for you. No, it's not. That's been probably one of the most, that little girl right there was probably one of the most challenging ones that, that you've run across. Yes, it, was one, it was one of the more, more challenging ones. It was a smaller bond. It was a smaller bounty um but it was one of the more challenging ones yeah but that was that was a good one to to hone your skills and test out some of your your resources that you use now obviously we can't talk about um the resources that you use to to track some of these people and find these people that'd be a trade secret so we can't do that but you use some pretty high tech stuff got some uh, good connections so to speak that's right yeah so when's our next hunt Actually, it's when we get done with the show, isn't it? <laughs> done with the show. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going to go witness another one after after we get done with the show right here. But so we got to wrap it up pretty quick. I know we got we're on a time frame. We need to go. Uh, let's get into our jack wagon of the week now. Gunny, introduce us. Hey, Ralph, Semper do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week. So brace yourself, baby. All right, so in keeping with the topic of the show today, Mark's got a couple of uh, pretty funny jack wagons uh, that are related to the fugitive uh, recovery industry. What you got? Uh, the first one is Columbus Short. He's a former Scandal star. Columbus uh, Short. Yes, Columbus I, Short. Pepper and I used to watch Scandal religiously. I haven't, I haven't kept up with it in the past two seasons, but uh, – I think Columbus Short was like one of Olivia's employees. He was the black guy, but he got killed a while back. So I don't think he's been on that show for a while. So what did uh, Mr. Short do? <laughs> well, apparently he uh, he had to resign from the show due to some of the – Oh, yes. maybe that's why they had to kill him off. Okay. Yes, yes. due to some some domestic assault problems he was having. Well, ah. those original charges, he apparently never showed up to court for because uh, when he was fixing to um, launch, he was performing at the Infusion Lounge in Studio City, California, some tracks off of his um, his album. Oh, so he's a musician also. I didn't know that. Okay. He's a musician also, right. So as he was getting ready to perform, uh, he was he was taken into custody by bounty hunters right in front of everybody. Really? Yep. They busted him right there. Right there in front of the world. And I guarantee you they gave him an opportunity to go ahead and turn himself in and not cause a scene. 
Maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe people aren't as nice as you. <laughs> Other bounty hunters aren't as nice as you. Well, there's, there's, you can find some pictures of it online where he's looking pretty distraught when the bounty hunters are coaching him on what he should have done. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say he's almost at tears? Yes, he looks like he's almost in tears. Uh, it's funny. Hardcore rapper breaking down and crying in front of his fans. <laughs> uh, bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do when they come for you? Break down, break down in tears, I guess. Break down and cry. Oh, please, Lord, don't let me finish my show. Let me just go out here and perform, and I'll come. I swear, I'll come right after I get done with the show. <laughs> uh, Try to negotiate it. All right, you got another one too. What's the other one? Uh, I've got another one. It's a little older, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, Chattanooga bounty hunters were arrested for home invasion and kidnapping down in uh, Gwinnett County, Georgia, where bounty hunters were arrested. Yes, bounty hunters were arrested, and they should have been. They, of course, they had the authority to uh, break into the home, to enter by force if necessary, uh, of the uh, defendant. But he wasn't there, so apparently they didn't do their their surveillance and their intelligence thoroughly enough. Uh He wasn't there, but his wife and kids were there. So they proceeded to take her into custody. (laughs) Take her into custody, okay. And she doesn't have a warrant on her. She has no warrant, no. And uh, they apparently pointed, according to the report, they pointed guns at the kids, threatened to shoot them if he didn't come home and turn himself into them. And needless now, to do say, you, do you believe that they really did that, or are those people just embellishing it to get themselves off the hook? They, I, I believe they're embellishing that some. Yeah, but they apparently did handcuff her and uh, hold her hostage in exchange for him. So, so she, they made her call him and said, we got your wife. Turn yourself in. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Which you, you can't do that, obviously. You cannot do that, no. And they should have known he wasn't there if they'd done their proper surveillance. That's right. That's right. I mean, you, you don't go and breach the house unless you're confident that your target's there. That's exactly right. And even breaching the house, even with authority – is is something we try to avoid if possible. Yeah, uh, we try to let get people to cooperate with us because breaching someone's home is a big deal to me. I wouldn't want somebody to breach my house. Of course, I wouldn't be harboring a fugitive. And but um, no, I, I st- we still try to deal with it and pro- what I consider to be properly. Yeah, uh, professionally. Professionally, yes. Now these these guys were charged with first degree home invasion, kidnapping, and false imprisonment, and they're still in jail. So did they get did they get actually charged with I mean um um convicted of it? Uh I think they just uh went to court. I, I don't know I don't know that. I do know, no, they're, still, don't they're, know. Still, they're still in jail for it. They're in jail over it. Yep. Yeah. So they were denied I mean, the funny thing is they were denied bond. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the judge said it so high though, probably too. It's, oh no, they were denied. It wasn't said high. Oh, they were just denied. Yeah. Oh. We, they shouldn't have been. Uh, it was it was a power play by the by the, the jurisdiction. But even yeah. so, that's that's what you get, I guess. And it's like any profession. There's always a couple of jack wagons out there that give everybody a bad name. Yes. You know, and these are prime examples of two jack wagons that are bad apples and giving everybody a bad name because you you don't operate like that. And I know there the other ones. There's other ones. Most of the p- bounty hunters don't operate that way. No, no. Yeah. So welcome to the Jack Wagon Train, Columbus Short, former actor on... Scandal. 
scandal at Kerry Washington show and you two jack wagons from Chattanooga. <laughs> Welcome to the jack wagon train. <laughs> yep. Enjoy. All right. Cool, Mark. I enjoyed having you on today. Appreciate you taking the time and, and being on. We didn't get around to asking you our our typical questions uh, for our first time guests, but we're going to have you back on and we'll do it when we have you back on next time. Um, but I do want to ask you this one. If you could spend the day at the range with anyone, whether they're fictional, they're still alive, they're dead, you know, whatever it may be, who, who would you choose to spend the day at the range with? The first thought that popped in my head was my granddad. Yeah. I kind of thought that I kind of figured that's what it would be. With shooting with his 1911s. Yeah. And his flamethrower. <laughs> his flamethrower. That Tell might upset some of the other folks on the range, but. Hey, yeah. screw, screw them. This, this is our question. This is talking lead. You know, it's, you can do anything, shoot anything at this range that you want to have anybody on the range that you want to. I think I'd like to spend the, the day with your, your granddad too. I bet he's got some, he would have had some awesome stories. Yes. That would be cool. All right, buddy. Uh, we're going to roll into our Mesa tactical interview from shot show. Now stand by. All right. So we're back to the artificial shoulder pocket talking lead 2015 shot show coverage and we have some lovely ladies in studio with us from the mesa tactical booth we have zuli and lucy correct yes that is correct. man i got that right i was so afraid i was gonna screw that up (laughs) good one you know how to read well (laughs) well you know yeah that's what the name tags are for right yeah yeah, exactly all right do me one favor on that one you have to be directional with it just like she is all right oh perfect yeah so i can hear it now can you hear me now? Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to take these off now. Okay. Because it sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mesa Tactical, you guys are into shotguns, right? You do oh, yes. a lot of cool shotgun accessories. You've been around for a while. Yes, Tactical Shotgun Accessories. Uh, the company started in 2003. So okay. we've been in business for 11 years now. We are based in Costa Mesa. Mm-hmm. And uh, we designed and manufactured, you know, Tactical Shotgun Accessories. Uh, this year, we're expanding to the rifle platform. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we talked about it when I was down at the booth that yeah. you guys are getting into the, uh, starting off with the FN. Is that what it was? Yeah. The yes, SCAR? Yes, the FN SCAR. Yes, that's correct. Uh, we designed and, um, a ferrule stock adapter. It's an aluminum cast adapter that allows you to mount any AR-15 style stock onto the FN SCAR system. And it's going to come in two colors. It will be available in black and FTE. And we're looking to start shipping probably in less than two months. So it will be available in the market in less than two months. Awesome. Also, before the NRA, it will be, it'll be available. Yeah, that is yeah. correct. So are you guys going to be at NRA? We actually uh, we uh, are in the waiting list. Uh, oh, apparently, really? they are sold out in the exhibit space. Yes. Yeah. So oh. uh, last year we were also on the waiting list, but um, they called us about a month before the show started. So uh-huh. you know we ended up making it. We ended up exhibiting there. So. Yeah, I saw you. Yeah, I was at that one last year in yeah. uh, Indy. Yeah, yes. it was yes. Indy. Yeah, yes. it was right. Indy, right? Yeah, yeah it was. That's crazy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah, it was Indy. <laughs> uh, but this year it's in our backyard, Nashville. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's um, our hometown. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Okay, great. So we're we're very excited about that. But we are in Las Vegas right now. Yes. Which yeah. Nashville are you having fun? Oh, we're having a blast. All yeah. Right. I mean, it's there's a lot of work behind it, but you know, there's a lot of fun here in Vegas too. Yeah. What about you Definitely. guys? What are you doing to to blow off steam after the show? There's a lot of parties going on. I know that. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. you know the alcohol <laughs> <laughs> probably can never go wrong with that yeah catch some dinner and maybe have a few drinks and just kind of relax and yeah. do it all 
all over again tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you guys hitting the uh, the tables at all? You have any luck on the slot no, machines we, or anything? We're we're really good girls. We don't we don't. Oh, that's like not bad. Have <laughs> you heard what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? You know. Yeah, my, my money will stay there too. <laughs> <laughs> stay in your pocket, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're good about taking it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely. Yeah. So Mesa Tactical. Uh, now you guys you say your shotguns, but you're. With the uh, the Remington, you, you deal with the Mossberg, you that deal is correct. Um, Benelli all, some? Yes, all some? of our product line is pretty much designed around law enforcement needs. Mm-hmm. So we do work a lot, you know, with a lot with the platforms that they that they use on duty. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got uh, conversion kits for the pump-action shotguns, uh, reduces recoil felt. We got, um, we make um, the um, LEO adapters, we make pistol grip stock. Mm-hmm. The Urbino line was born about three years ago. It's been doing very well. Uh, we have expanded the uh, platform from just uh, Benelli's to now um, Remington as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the most recent one was the Mossberg 930. Mm-hmm. And probably by the end of summer, we'll have our um, project with uh, Beretta for the Beretta 1301 Tactical. Oh, cool. They actually have it on their booth now, the uh, the prototype right. for, the, um, for the Urbino stock. Uh-huh. So uh, we, we've been uh, working along with Remington as well as Beretta and these projects. So yeah. it's going to put our name um, out there, more branding, more exposure. So so mm-hmm. we're now that system, to let's talk a little more about your the the compression system. Is that what you call it? Yes, the uh, recoil. Socket. The recoil system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Zuli was showing me that yesterday, and I've you know I've not had a lot of hands on with your your products, mm-hmm. um, but it seemed to me like that is like just perfect for what you need on a twelve gauge shotgun because it's like a shock absorbing. It does system. It's- I call it the wifey and girlfriend friendly because, <laughs> you know, you, you take them out to the range one time and they get scared of the kick. I always care about yeah. two things, how much it weights and how much it kicks. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's perfect. It reduces recoil by, I'll tell you one thing, my 20 gauge has more recoil than a 12 gauge with a buffer tube. With the buffer tube? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. That's a big difference too. Big yeah. difference. Yeah. But you were talking about weight also, and that's another key thing about yeah. your, your product is they are super lightweight. Yeah. I mean, you had uh, that one, you had a, the rail system up top, mm-hmm. you had the uh, shotgun shell uh, um, carrier. carrier on the side, and then you had the uh, the M4 adapter buttstock mm-hmm. uh, with the grip exactly. on it with, with your recoil um, system. Yeah. Yes. And it didn't feel like it was any heavier than if, if it didn't have those accessories on there. Yeah, that's, I mean, we everything is... Um, it's uh, milled from uh, from uh, aircraft aluminum, mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that the um, the rails are skeletonized. Uh, we by, by keeping the, the the weight light on the on the uh, shell carrier system, right, and um, works out very well. Um, that's actually it, it was our kind of like our introduction into the accessory line. Uh, how we started, mm-hmm. uh, we started with the uh, shell carriers, and then we started doing the adapters, and then from there the. Uh, the uh, product line just branched it off into um, other accessories, but those were the initial ones. Right, right. So um, you were talking about you're getting into the FN SCAR. Talk about the the accessories that you've got going on for that right now. I know you're talking about the different colors, and where is that going to lead to? Well, this um, to us, this is our gateway entry into the uh, rifle market. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we want to do is give the uh, consumer options. You know, the, the boot stock, it's nice. It's it's distinguishable. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know it's a FN. But, you know, there's other shooters out there. They're, they want to change out their, their, their stock system. They want to put their favorite one. Uh, so we want to give options. Yeah. And, or one um, they're more familiar with. You know, they're more familiar with the, the M4, you know, type yeah, butt stock right. system. 
M16 type, you know, adjustable versus the scar and you guys have that adapter that allows them to do that right yeah it uh you it's, it's very uh simple and easy to use it's just uh slides on and off like just like the factory one mm-hmm. so you can change it out and literally probably less than a minute if you're if you're quite, if you're proficient uh, with it yes. yeah, with your firearm which if you own <laughs> yeah. one you should be right exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, maybe maybe take you five minutes at the most yeah but a uh, pretty simple system now does does that one have the recoil system in it as well it is, uh, yeah, it, um, it is optional. If you want to have it there, it is compatible as well. Okay, so that's cool. So you could throw that in on the, the your FN SCAR, yeah. and you could get you know some Zero recoil, recoil mitigation there. Yeah. That is correct, yeah. That's cool. So I guess you guys, you say it's kind of your entry into the rifle. Are you looking at getting into AR-15 accessories as well? We are. We have a whole list, a whole menu of uh, different things that we want to do. So we just need to narrow it down to what's, you know, practical and mm-hmm. usable. and, and, and What's going to sell. I mean, exactly. you guys are a, a business. You know, let's yes. not kid around. you got to make money, you know. Exactly. So you're going to see what's the hottest thing and come out for, you know, like Picatinny rail accessories. You know, mm-hmm. are you guys going to get into sights or scopes or anything like that is that not scopes we'll probably do some um hand guards hand and, guards uh, and forends and probably uh some grips yeah. there's a lot of ideas we just need maybe really... maybe the um like the rings the scope rings and things like that yeah. possibly possibly there's it's endless opportunities oh there, absolutely so, yeah. Um, yeah well we'll see what we can uh, play with and bring something better to the market you know it's uh, i mean it's over flooded with different uh options but um it's hard to to um, break in and and think about what can we make better, you know? Yeah, because there's like so mind. many companies out there that yeah. are doing, you know, this, that, and the other accessory for the yeah. for the AR platform that, uh, you know, it's kind of flooded, you know? Yeah. So if you, if you come up with a new innovative idea for something, then uh, you're going to do well. Yeah. No doubt so about we it. So we won't tell the, the secret stuff that we're working on yeah. right now. But it's cool <laughs> that you guys are doing the shotgun because there's not as many people – you know, in that accessory market, uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm not saying it's not competitive, but uh, it's not as competitive. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's small niche. And you do that and you do it well. Yeah. You guys have a very good reputation with your with your shotgun accessories. Thank you. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about after SHOT Show where, where you might be getting more shows coming up. Any more events? Uh, well, we're hoping to get into the NRA show this, <laughs> yeah, this year, yeah. hopefully. Um, we're actually looking at um, the NTOA. Mm-hmm. I'm, sure, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one, but um, tell our listeners what that is. Um, actually, it's it's more of a it's more of a conference. Okay, uh, it's more of a conference show. And yeah. uh, where is that going to be? Do you know? Uh, that's going to be over in. Uh, sure, you know I'm not. I don't know if it's Florida or something like that. Yeah, it'll be somewhere warm though. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's usually where they have those conferences. Somewhere warm and yeah. toasty to get people to come to them. Hopefully yeah. it'll be yeah. warm. In that, will that be in between here and NRA, that show? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's like in August, uh, at yeah. the end of August, beginning so of September. after NRA, I think. Yeah. Okay. Isn't When when is NRA? I don't remember. Uh, April. April. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it'll be after that. Mm-hmm. In August. Tia, Tia jumping in. I'm sorry. Pepper jumping in over there to help us out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pepper. <laughs> So um, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you guys if they want to get your products. Do you do them direct, or do you have uh, distributors? We do both. Because um, I've been to your website, and I know you got some stuff on your website. Yeah. The whole entire product line is on the website. It can be ordered there. Uh, we also go through uh, distribution. Um, RSR Group would be one of our um, major 
uh, wholesalers as well as well as Brownells, uh, Midway USA. They're kind of like my my go-to guys. So yeah, they uh, they carry not our entire product line, but um, probably fifty percent. Um, if anything else, it's, it's always available on the website. Okay, very good. Now, uh, we have a line of questions that we ask our first-time guests. I'm not going to ask them all to you, but I'm going to ask you a couple of uh, different questions. Mm -hmm. So um, when it comes to um, pop culture, you know, like movies or magazines or mm -hmm. songs or TV shows, what's your go-to when it comes to firearms that's firearms-related? Um. I like to watch the. Um, actually, I saw Chris Chris Chang's uh, card for uh -huh. Top Shot. Yeah, 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 that's one of my favorite ones. Okay, so um, Top Shot, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love that show too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty entertaining. It is. You yeah, know, right. you can dream about one day being like them. <laughs> They're like yeah. superheroes. <laughs> or, or like maybe we just dream about maybe talking to them <laughs> and shaking their hand. <laughs> yeah, we uh, Chris uh, was going to be on a little bit earlier because of our difficulties we got to push him back but he's gonna be on oh nice i'll tell he, him you're a fan well he knows us he, oh, okay. uh, he uh he carries our products as well we uh, i think he runs the urbino stock on his uh don't remember it was the remington or the benelli okay and we did a giveaway with him to promote his book as well right and he sent me a nice autograph book and oh, cool. uh, yeah so we're kind of friends i should have worked it out where you guys were on together i didn't know yeah. you knew each other that would have been cool yeah it would have yeah but. what about you zuli uh, no, well, Lucy and I, uh, we live together, so we actually watch, you know, the same thing. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't have two separate TVs? Where you, uh, I'm not <laughs> no. watching that. I'm going to go over here. No, actually, yeah. We, we enjoy we, we watching We agree on a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. So so top shot it is then. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the Food Network channel, too, but it's unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. That's you never know. Sometimes there's some uh, firearms guys on there doing stuff, you know. Yeah. You never know. Kind of goes with the hunting and then going home exactly. and cooking your meal. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So, how did you originally get involved with firearms? What was your what's your first experience that you can remember that was that was firearms related? Well, it was through missile tactical. I mean, before that, I mean, even just the sound of racking the the foreign on a gun would you know get you all the frighten, frighten me. Yeah, weebie-jeebies. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it it took a while to. Um, to transition, I used to do boat sales, and uh -huh. then one day I, I walk into Mesa Tactical, and I kind of got a, a job offer, and I um, I started working with them. So you just walked in, and they're yeah. like, "Hey, you're hired." Yeah, basically, <laughs> they uh, they interviewed me I think for less than five minutes, and then he's like, "When can you start?" And I started the next day. Awesome. And that was my introduction to the firearm world. And how long have you been with with Mesa Tactical? Uh, it's been now six years. Six years. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I've seen the company expanding and growing, and it um, makes me excited to, to see the, what the future is going to yeah. unfold for us. So you do a lot of shotgun shooting? Yes, I do. As yeah. a matter of fact, we do both of us. Uh, we've taken tactical uh, shotgun classes, rifle, carbine, handguns. Mm -hmm. Very As cool. a matter of fact, the company does, uh, we do like a monthly shoot uh, mm -hmm. where, you know, we go and uh, we invite, you know, our friends and family and, you right. know, pretty much... Uh, you know, educate them on firearm safety. Sure, you get, know, get and, exposure and education. Yeah, yeah. yeah and bring shooters awesome. on board and uh, teach them the safeties, the, the rules, mm -hmm. and to for them to see that you know it can be serious but fun at the same time. Yeah, and nobody has to get injured. And 
it, it, it to us is opening the door to people that are standoffish about firearms. Kind of like you were, yeah, exactly. when you first got involved. And that's with it, yeah. and that's how my my um, how I got friendlier by knowing how to um, how to clear a weapon, how to know if it's loaded, um, how to use it, all that stuff, how to right. clean it. So now to me, it's just ask okay, her how many just... guns she has now. Yeah? <laughs> ask her how many guns how many guns do you have now? <laughs> it's uh, seven now. Seven. Oh yeah. my, good for you. And out of those seven that you have purchased two, and the rest have been given to me as gifts. Well, <laughs> I would have that many too if people would give them to me, huh? <laughs> so, what's your favorite? I'm gonna say uh, the 870. Um, I also love my Glock 19. There you go. I also like my carbine. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, what carbine do you have? I I have a. It was actually built for me from one of our local um, gun stores in mm-hmm. uh, California. Very so cool. they kind of made everything small and compact for me, and um, I love it. It's it's very light and weight. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun to shoot. So enjoy. You need it very to be much. getting into three gun competition. Everybody tells me that I want to, but I know it takes so much time and dedication. And well, you, you know, know, Mesa Tactical needs to sponsor a team. <laughs> You know, definitely. yeah, they they need to have a three gun team, and you, and you could idea. start it up. There you go. Yeah, at a point we had a, an idea of starting like a woman's gun club, and uh, but then we just get so busy with other things, and you, you know. just got to do it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah, make it happen. Make Hopefully, it happen. we'll make it happen this year. Yeah, <laughs> Zuli, what about you? Um, well, I don't. I don't own any any uh, weapons right now. Um, I'm, I've been with Mesa Tiger. Y'all live for together, about two though, years. right? Yes. So you have seven, also. Then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Another common property. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I've been with Mesa Tactical for two years now, and uh, that's how I also got introduced into the firearms. You know, and so right now I'm just you know doing more more practicing mm-hmm. before I decide of actually owning one. You know, because yeah. I are you finding sure are you finding the desire as you go? Oh yes. more stronger. Oh, yes, and especially to, to trying out different platforms, you know, yeah. as well. Like, and you guys are in California, right? We're, the, we're the commie in Costa state. Mesa, California. California. Yeah. <laughs> well, but soon. Well, that's we... great. You've got you know seven firearms. You know, yeah. keep bucking the system down there, girl. <laughs> yeah, you know they offer them to me. Hey, do you want this? Yeah, sure. Why not? So <laughs> free. Yeah. Just, just got a, one of the locals at gun stores too. They uh, gun shops. I mean, they uh, they sort of coded my 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 shotgun, so that was cherry red, ah. which I'm very proud of. <laughs> you need to send so. me some pictures of that, and I'll post them on our our Facebook. Page. Oh yeah, awesome. For yeah. sure. Nice. That'd be cool. Yeah, it looks yeah. really nice, actually. It looks yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So your website is www.mesotactical.com. Uh, you will go once you go to the website. You'll see, you know, like our latest new products. You know, mm-hmm. latest news. We have a blog going on. Sweet. Uh, we have the catalog. So as who well. does your blog? Um, actually, well, sometimes we get writers from other, you know, magazines uh-huh. or you know that. They just They're doing product reviews and things like that, exactly. and you get them to, to post on there. Yes, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But currently, we're we're in Costa Mesa, California. We're going to be relocating to Nevada pretty soon, actually. Oh yeah. So we can feel like we really live in America. There yeah. you go. <laughs> well, just come on to Tennessee. Just come a little bit oh, further east, and I don't know. Hey, there's no income tax there. Yeah. No state income tax. Oh, the same as in Nevada. No, just come on to Tennessee. <laughs> It's, it's not as dry in Tennessee either. Well, the thing I like about Nevada is just that it's so close to to back to home to California. Well, that's yeah. true. You know, that's true. And it's it's like the whole state is a range. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like you can go anywhere and they let you pull off on the side of the road at certain like thousand feet away government from owned land. Yeah. You can just go out there and shoot. Yeah. You don't you just drive out there and you shoot. You don't yeah. need permission or anything. Yeah, that's, that's pretty gonna be cool. amazing because now when we go to the range, it's like an hour and a half drive to get out to the to the uh, to Burrow Canyon. So yeah, 
I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So in your in your own Facebook, you're on Twitter, Instagram, all that? Yes. All the... We're on uh, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, uh, Flickr. So yeah, we are active on all social media sites. So very yeah, good. So, so one last question: Do you make accessories for the uh, the Mossberg Five Hundred? Oh yes. Okay, I have got one. Got those recoil systems. I have one. Oh but well, but I don't have one of those recoil systems. Oh well, maybe so, you know. I like can, to I like to T and E that you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like to check that out. <laughs> well, we'll make sure you get a T and E in the mail. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Lucy, Zuli, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, thank for you, Marty. Us. Guys, make sure you check them out. Uh, Mesa Tactical. Great. Follow us on Instagram. There you go. Facebook. <laughs> give them a big old like. Yeah. All right. Twitter. You on Twitter too? You said. Yep, okay. we're on Twitter. Oh, what, as was well. that tweeting or how do you like just like somebody on tweet or subscribe? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm, do I'm not active on Twitter. But enjoy the rest of twenty fifteen Shot Show, girls. Definitely. Thank you for inviting us. Yep, thanks for being on. Thank you. All right, so that was that was a good interview with uh with Lucy and Zuli there from Mesa Tactical. Uh great girls and uh looking forward to hopefully hooking up with them again at this year's shot show. I know they've they've got some really cool products and I'm wanting to trick out my uh, my Mossberg 500. Not really trick it out, but there's some accessories that they have that I want to put on it. Shock absorber would be uh, a very cool, uh, or the recoil mitigation system, I guess, is what it is uh, that they have would be cool to put on that. Uh, Mark, buddy, again, thanks for being on the show, and we look forward to, to having you on uh, in the future. We be uh, we'll be telling some more fugitive recovery stories that sounds good man thank you for having me so if if i got some bonds people in the tennessee area or out of the other states too and they think they got fugitives here in the state of tennessee uh how do they get in touch with tennessee bounty hunters well they could uh be more than welcome to take a phone call at uh, 615-948-5085 or they can uh, contact us via Facebook, uh, Tennessee Bounty Hunters. Yeah, um, it's abbreviated TN Bounty Hunters, um, or of course email. And what's the email? A Tennessee Bounty Hunters at gmail.com, and the word is spelled out. T E. Tennessee is spelled out. Tennessee Bounty Hunters at gmail.com. Can you not spell Tennessee? You know how to spell Tennessee? You want me to spell it? T E N N E S S E E B O U N T Y. H U N T E R S at gmail.com. <laughs> there you go. Bounty hunters can spell. So there's another fact to fight the myth. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. All right, leadheads. As always, keep your loved ones close. And if you're wanted, I'm coming for you. <laughs> we coming for you, baby. Duck and hide because we're coming. 